Today is uh, in our series on the final words of Jesus. It takes on a different character. Uh, you know, the Christians, in, as far as we can tell in history, have been using the last words of Jesus uh, to tell the story for ever since the second Christian century. It's been a special way the church has used it. And if you look at the Gospels, you'll see they don't all treat it the same way, is that no one tells all seven. In fact, Luke and John each tell three of the seven, three individual. And Matthew and Mark both share this one we have today. Aware that as they are telling the story, as Mark is telling it, he chooses only to give this one word, which then by his description would be the last word that Jesus ever spoke. Maybe the other Gospels left it out because in some ways it was too frightening. But Jesus to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Seemed to go contrary to every experience they'd had of Jesus so far. He seemed so close to God. So much so that Jesus himself described it by saying, the Father and I are one. And we might begin to wonder, now what happened to that? Uh, did, did he not have it right? Why would God want to break that up if it's been going so well? What is in fact happening and what is God saying through it? Jesus begins to experience the anguish of his abandonment. Why have you forsaken me? If you look in the story, it really begins the night before when they are gathered in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is there anxiously praying, trying to get his disciples to join him in prayer, but they keep falling asleep. And this was Jesus' prayer. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Prayed it three different times, and then he began to feel the abandonment because then arrives the first of the disciples who's abandoned Jesus, and that is Judas, who's brought with him those who will arrest Jesus and will put him on trial. At that very moment, as Luke tells the story, uh, the other disciples begin to run away. They flee. They abandon Jesus then. They do not appear in Mark's gospel Again, they have left Jesus. The next day, as Jesus is on the cross, he begins to feel that loneliness again because now he's surrounded by a mob, a crowd of people. Uh, we don't know their full content. We know there were religious leaders there who were saying to him, if you are the Savior, then save yourself and we'll believe. There was the crowd of those who were... Uh, uh, cheering, deriding him, uh, talking against him. There were people who were uh, trying to belittle Jesus in every way, and there were none, none of those who were his followers. In John's gospel, in fact, uh, the, of the two uh, criminals beside Jesus, there's not one who becomes repentant. Both are speaking against Jesus, begin to feel his loneliness, is aloneness as he is there. And there's no John at front of the cross along with the women, not as Mark tells the story. 
Instead, it said, doesn't say anything about a disciple at all, but it says some of the women were there but far away, just enough to see what is happening, not so Jesus could see them himself. Surrounded by that, we begin to see how lonely it was for Jesus, how he felt that everyone had left it behind. You ever felt that way? When friends were not there at a time of need, when we felt our own forms of suffering, they come along in life, and we're wanting someone to be there to help us through it, and often they are. It's such a great relief when family and friends are present in times of need, and we understand on its present how bad it is when it's absent, what it's like when someone is not there to watch over us and to care for us. Jesus was one abandoned, left. But the worst of all, the darkest moment came. It said at noon. At noon, it became dark, and it stayed dark for three hours. And just after that three hours is when Jesus spoke the word. I began to wonder that as Jesus is so powerful that as he could still a storm on the Sea of Galilee, could it be that his anguish brought darkness to hours as he hung there suffering and dying, feeling all the pain, not just the physical pain of the hour, but the anguish of carrying the sin of the world itself. The picture that is painted tells us a story. It tells us that the salvation Jesus brings is costly. It's not easy. It's given only because he gives everything and suffers for us. But what of those words? He says, my God, my God. You notice in the reading of it that he did not use that term, uh, Abba, Father, but used the more formal word for God of Eloi. He felt the distance from God at that moment that God was, though he was not near at all. There's reason to believe he was in fact there. Because when he said this, the, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, a symbol letting us know that what once separated us from God is now torn away. That through Jesus, there's access to his grace and his power. And we can know that together. But there he cries, my God, my God, why? You know, why is that question that is asked by every child when the parents don't give them what they want. Why? And even after you answer their question, they go, but why? Because none of the answers seem to really satisfy, but, but the why. And you know, you ask why enough times, people get tired of answering. You ever done that? Your child asks it the fourth or fifth time, and what's the answer that comes after that? Because I said so. You know that. That's the next answer that comes, because why it just doesn't have another answer. And Jesus is hanging there because God said so. Because it was in his plan. Jesus knew it. He didn't want it, but he accepted it for us. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Some preachers have shared this and said, it is the loneliest death in history. Jesus didn't have any family, any friends, any followers. 
and not even God that he could feel near him. The loneliest death in history for us. And any time you and I feel those weights of those moments in life, we need to know that the Savior whom we worship has felt that aloneness. He's felt that struggle when suffering came and we weren't sure how we would make it through it or if it would go away. You may already know that uh, this verse, this saying of Jesus, is in fact the first verse of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 was a, a hymn which the Jewish people would sing. They would have recognized that when Jesus said it. Maybe they would have, in their mind, carried on the song to further verses and heard more of the story it carries. Let me share with you just a few other verses. It says also, all who see me mock at me. It says, a company of evildoers encircle me. It says, from my clothing they cast lots. They have pierced my hands and feet. But it doesn't end there. It is not just a hymn of despair, but something else breaks through. Hear this in the last verses. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn. He's saying to us, he is not alone. It is not the end. There is yet a great work to happen. I begin to think of what's a way to express this uh, saying and what we feel because Jesus went through this for us. And the song that came to me was the one, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Now, this is not the last hymn of the service. This is a song that is sing kind of as the ending for the sermon itself. And when you come down and you're sharing in communion, I want you to think about not only how much he, how much he loves us, but all he also suffered for us. And know how great that love is. Now, Jeannie is going to come lead us in this uh, two-song, uh, two two-verse chorus. Then we'll continue with communion. Oh, how he loves you and me. You can find it in your black hymnal at 2108. Of course, it's on the screens as well. And you can remain seated. Love for sin. 
The invitation communion reminds you it's open to all who wish to come. You don't have to be United Methodist. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. I ask those who are serving, if you'd come for it this time, please. I need a gluten-free serving of, of, uh, of the bread. Please ask at a